Thanks, guys. <clears throat> Go to 1 Corinthians 3, if you would. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 6, for some weeks now, when I've been with you, we've uh, been talking about this series we're calling The God of Increase. What you'll find is that most of the world does not know who God is. And much of the religious world does not know who God is. Are you all awake? Mm -mm. And uh, uh, truth, scripture, has been replaced with religious tradition and ideas of men that they will fight you over. And yet it's not scripture and it's not God. And so all of us need to be vigilant. About what we believe about God. Because I assure you, you still have some vestiges of religious traditional ideas about God. Hmm. Ever so often, I realize I had one. I thought, now hold on. Where's that at in the scripture? (laughs) And so, uh, It's an ongoing thing of renewing the mind. And what will renew your mind? It is written. It is written. When it is written, it's different from how you've always believed. Help me out. It's time for you to change. Is that right? It's time for me to change. Well, God, one, here, here's one thing we know about God. He is the God of increase. What is he like? Increase. What does he do? Increase. Is that the same as staying the same? Is that the same as decreasing? Does he enjoy it when you decrease? Well, he's, a, he's not the God of decrease. Look at it, Proverbs 3, I mean 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. <clears throat> now notice the increase was in connection with something sown and something watered. So it wasn't that he multiplied nothing. Right? I mean, zero times a million is what? Zero. zero. You got to have something to multiply. And so he said, I planted, he's talking about the word. Apollos came behind uh, Paul and taught on some of the same things that uh, uh, Paul taught. Now, the reason it was planting is because when Paul came and preached the gospel to them, these people in Corinth, they had never heard it before. This was a planting first time. Within Apollos, who's a Bible teacher, he came along after Paul and he taught him some of the same things. But it wasn't a first time planting. It was a watering of what Paul had already taught him and given him. But none of it would have made any difference if God hadn't increased it. huh? It wasn't Paul that gave the increase. It wasn't Apollos who gave the increase. It was God who is the God of increase. Verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that waters. He's not saying we weren't important, we weren't part of it. He's just reemphasizing it wasn't us that gave the increase. Which is why he ends up with that phrase again. It was God that gave the increase. Said out loud, God. Gives the increase. Hallelujah. Anybody happy about that? (laughs) Now we just, uh, we quoted it, but you know, in in Psalm uh, 115, 
verse 12, if you put that up on the screen too, Psalm 115, 12. Psalm 115, 12. The Lord's been mindful of us. He'll bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. Is he the blessing God? Yeah, he is. And you can't separate increase from blessing. Keep going. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. That's everybody. Now, them that what? Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That that covers a wide range. But it has to do with what we'd call today reverence, respect, awe, honor. It has to do with esteeming God greatly. And reverencing him and being aware of and in awe of his astounding knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom, his power. God is big. Big hardly describes it. Right? He creates stars and solar systems. And, you know, the more we realize who he is, you will be in awe of him. And uh, the word fear includes the actual subject of fear. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The New Testament says in judgment. There's something far worse than dying. It's dying without God. It's dying in defiance and rebellion of God. Because later comes judgment. And the scripture talks about that that men will cry out for the mountains to fall on them and hide them. From him who sits on the throne. He... If if we didn't know that God is our Father and that Jesus has paid the price for us to be accepted, we should all be terrified Amen. of what's coming. But because of what He has done for us, woo, hallelujah, we we need have no fear. We've been accepted in the Beloved. Our name's already written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not being decided whether or not we will be saved. I'm saved. If you've accepted Jesus, you're saved. Hallelujah. Doesn't remain to be seen how we'll come out. No. It's settled. Oh, glory to God. But it doesn't mean we should show any disrespect. Notice what he said. Read that again. He will bless who? Them that what? That fear the Lord. That reverence him. That uh, honor him. That that respect him. Both small and great. And that's why I want to talk about that some more today. You can't separate increase from this. When I first set out on this uh, series... I was looking at at one avenue and the Lord kept bringing me back to this one thing. You know, it's the woman's alabaster box. I thought I would touch on that one time and here we are. I'm about to do it again for the what the eighth time or whatever it is. And it's because you cannot separate uh, increase from honor. Can't separate them. Uh, go with me to, to John 12, if you would. We'll look at John's account of this. Well, actually, no, no, excuse me. Mark 14. We'll just, we'll do it again this way. Mark 14. <coughs> God gave the increase. Mark 14, 3, Jesus 
was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he said it meat or food. And there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, very precious, very rare and very expensive. She broke the box, poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. And if you read John 12, John's account said it was Judas Iscariot who was the main spokesman of this. And they and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Keep, keep going. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. And that was the equivalent of 300 days of pay. So, this, you know, this is approaching the better part of a year's wages. And so depending on, you know, how you figure it, it's in the tens of thousands of dollars by today's standard. Maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. I mean, it's a, a substantial amount. And he's saying, why was this wasted like this? Because when she broke it, and it all spills out. Well, you can't gather it back up and put it in the box. It's done. It's going to smell up the, the house for maybe the rest of the day. I don't know. Uh, Jesus could enjoy the ointment. But it didn't feed anybody. It didn't clothe anybody. It didn't house anybody. It didn't send the gospel anywhere to be preached. And Judas says, what a waste. Now the reason I keep coming back to this is because that's what much of the church still believes. What a waste. I think you probably have more church going people agree with Judas on this than they do with Jesus. And we need mind renewal. Are y'all okay or not? We need mind renewal. Do you want to think like Judas? Or you want to think like Jesus? Jesus? So they murmured against her. And if you read John's account, John 12, it said Judas said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had to bag and pilfered what was in it. He embezzled. He was embezzling what was in the uh, the ministry accounts of Jesus' team. So the whole thing is just wrong on so many levels. Had nothing to do with caring about the poor. And yet, how many times have you heard people say, "It just makes me sick." Spent all that money on that building. Spent all that money on TV and internet. Makes me sick. <laughs> Y'all are quiet again. Huh? Because we've heard it. <laughs> well, well I, we, we actually, uh, uh, Mike and I were somewhere a while back dealing with something. And this, that phrase came up about it could have been sold and given to the poor. And Mike asked the guy, he said, well, now, do you know, that is a quote from the Bible, but do you know who said it? And they said, well, Jesus said it. He said, uh-uh. <laughs> well, yeah, he did. They said, no. Judas Iscariot, uh, hours before he betrayed Jesus. If you read the rest of the account, immediately after this, uh, Judas was so upset about that money that he went to the leaders of the Jews And said, what will you pay me? What will you give me? And I will turn him over to you. And they covenanted with each other. For 30, not 300 pence, 30 pieces of silver. 300 pence is what the woman's offering was. 30 pieces, like $30,000 or $300. Which is what Judas and then the religious leaders valued Jesus at $300. That was prophesied in Zechariah, the exact amount. 
And exactly what would happen with it. And the reason I keep talking about this is because value system is what this is about. The world does not value God. Does not value Jesus. Put up Isaiah 53 if you would. Isaiah 53. Many of you know this. But let's look at it again. Isaiah 53, 3. Now this is a a prophecy about Jesus. Isaiah saw in the spirit. And saw what would happen with Jesus. It said he is, is what? Despised. And rejected of men. He was what? Despised. Now, despise is the opposite of honor. In fact, in this verse, uh, I'll honor those that honor me. That's the end of the verse. Those that despise me will be lightly esteemed or will be despised. Basically, he's saying whatever you do with me is what's going to happen with you. God is saying, you honor me and you'll be honored. You despise me. You'll be despised. And so here when Jesus came, the Bible said he came unto his own and what? They didn't receive him. In fact, how can you uh, scourge and mock and spit on and crucify somebody you respect? They treated him like the worst scum. Like the worst criminal. I mean, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. And that's how they treated our master, our Messiah. They despised him. They treated him like he was nothing. And it says he was despised and rejected of men. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The Amplified says, we did not appreciate his worth or have esteem for him. The BBE says, he was looked down on, and we put no value on him. Did not value him. God's Word translation says, he was despised and rejected by people. He was despised like one from whom people turned their faces. And we didn't consider him to be worth anything. Now going back to the woman's alabaster box. Isn't that exactly what's going on? What did the woman. How is she esteeming Jesus? Huh? This might be the the most expensive thing she has or owns. And she's saying Lord. I wish it was bigger, <laughs> right? <Yes. coughs> I wish I had more, yeah. but just as just a token of my appreciation. When Jesus comes into your life, yes. oh, hallelujah. When you're forgiven of your sins, when, when you're cleansed and washed from all unrighteousness, when you've been made righteous, made worthy, made holy, when he's healed your body, given you peace of mind, given you joy in your soul, given you victory in every endeavor. Does it get any more valuable than Jesus and what he has done? And so this woman is saying, thank you. I value you. I value what you've done in my life. And what is Judas saying? What a waste. What a waste. Wasted on what? Wasted on Jesus. Now, if you, if you look back at that, maybe you still have your place, I don't know, but in Mark 14, Verse uh, 4, 14.4, some had indignation. They said, why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. 
And the disciples got sucked into this with Judas. They went, yeah, that's 30,000 bucks. But what are they saying? 30,000 is worth more than the preacher, than the man of God, than the word of God, than the ministry. Somebody said, yeah, but it was Jesus. Yeah, but he's our example. Right? If it's not right for any of us to receive these kind of things, it wouldn't have been right for him to. It'd be a double standard. <laughs> I, I heard an old holy cow go, moo, moo. <laughs> Do you remember we started off talking about people have replaced the word of God? With religious tradition. And they think the religious tradition is the word. It's a replacement. Notice this phrase. Jesus said verse 6. Let her alone. Why are you troubling her? She has wrought a good work. On me. Didn't feed anybody. Didn't clothe anybody. Didn't house anybody. And yet Jesus calls it a good work. Good work. For, verse uh, 7, are you there with me? For you'll always have preachers around. (laughs) And if you want to, if you want to, you can do something for them. But the big thing is helping people in need. I I saw people nodding. Why? Because religious tradition has changed the Bible. Has replaced and changed what Jesus said. He didn't say that. Are you all awake? He didn't say that. He said, you got the poor with you always. And whenever you want to, you can do them good. Why are you fussing about this? You want to help somebody? Go help somebody. But what's it got to do with this? But me, you have not always. Well, I don't know that she knew he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But she knew he was a prophet. He was a man of God. He brought the word into their life. He ministered the the power of the Spirit in their life. This is about valuing the word. He is the Word. Is that right? Made flesh. This is about valuing and esteeming and honoring the Word, the anointing. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. And she did all she could. And that's what he goes on to say, verse 8. He said, uh, she's done what she could. And I, I suppose that indicates all she could. If she had had a $200,000 box, I think it would have gotten broken too. She come beforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And I suppose the, the whole group went, what? I don't think she knew or any of them realized how close this was. And verse 9, and I say to you, and this is how much Jesus wanted us to understand this. Wherever this gospel will be preached throughout the whole world, this that she has done is going to be spoken of for a memorial of her. He wanted us to know about the error of claiming to help the poor and disrespecting the things of God. He wanted us to know about the value of honoring the things of God because that's what gives him access to honor you. Oh, are y'all awake? Can you see why the Lord keeps bringing us back to this? Is there much to be seen? We need serious mind renewal. Because junk has been preached. Religious ideas of men. And and much of the religious groups, one of their biggest things is shaming people. Shaming people. 
guilting people, judging people. Well, you know, you, you, you have too much. You should give that away. My first thought is, what are you doing? Right? And at what point, what percentage of my income given to those in need would I been, would then I be okay to have something nice? And why would you be the standard by which all of us are judged? See, junk, traditional ideas of men that have nothing to do with the Word of God. Now listen, if God likes poverty, let's quit playing with it and get seriously destitute. I'm I'm serious. If God likes poverty, if he likes broke, if it puts a smile on his face, if it pleases him, then let's do it. Quit messing around. Get poor. (laughs) But that's in complete contradiction with scriptures everywhere in the Bible where it says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Well, he's the God of increase. So if this stuff about you can't have anything nice is just some religious ideas of men, well, forget that. Right? I ain't got to live by your goofed up idea. That's right. And when you're talking about, well, it's an expensive house. It's an expensive building. It's an expensive property. It's an expensive this. Does that scare God? Does that bother him? Is he a big God? Is there anything too big for him or too hard for him? Well, what's going on is People with small minds and small visions and small ideas try to make God like themselves. And it's too much for them. And so they say, well, God wouldn't like that. Why? They won't say it, but if it's too much for me, it's too much for you too. And if it's too much for me, of course, this God thinks it's too much because he and I are like that. <laughs> No, maybe you're just messed up in your thinking and hadn't read the Bible and don't know that God is so big. You see his taste, his preferences in creation in heaven. Huh? Streets. Streets. Of what? Translucent gold, gates of pearl, foundations of precious stones. Isn't that flashy? <laughs> Sounds kind of flashy to me. Because see, people have they have mischaracterized God. They have, they have misportrayed Him. They have portrayed a gray God. Well, what do you mean? Well, he's not dark and he's not light. He's not too, not too little, not too much. And everything with him is like light gray, medium gray, dark gray. Don't get carried away. No, no, no. God made the brightest colors you ever saw. He made the most beautiful jewels and precious metals. He did that. He did that. That's him. That's who he is. (laughs) When you see heaven, you see what he's making, what he's preparing a place for you and I. You're not going to show up and go, well, this is all right. (laughs) Not bad. Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You're going to go, ah, whoa. You'll do that for a few years. And then he'll show us something even greater. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all okay? 
talking about mind renewal. How you think. How you see things. How you value things. In uh, Genesis 25, 29, this is the story of Jacob and, and Esau. And uh, Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, some of that same red pottage. I'm faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, which has to do with red. Jacob said, uh, well, you ain't eating for free. (laughs) He said, sell me today your birthright. Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. That's an exaggeration. Mom and daddy's house is right over there. Don't tell me you couldn't go to mama's house and and get fed. What profit shall this birthright do me? Is there a problem with that? There's a giant problem with that. What is that? That is despising something that's valuable in the eyes of God. He said, what, what good? What good is it? And see, you'll hear that kind of thing all over today. You know, what good does it do to pray? What good does it do to go to church? What good does it do to tithe or to give an offering? You're just being duped. What, what, what good does it do to read that, that Bible, that old book? Just a bunch of, you know, random writings. Disrespect, disrespect, disrespect. I know I was out years ago. Uh, I was teaching at Raymond, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s ministry, and I was out doing something, and some of the graduates I met in a, in a meeting, and one of them said, uh, How's the old man? I said, Old man? They told my Brother Hagin Sr., our father in the faith. I said, What's wrong with that? A lot. A lot. A lack of valuing. A lack of esteem. Right? A lack of respect. And that will cost you. It won't cost them. It'll cost you. Because who does the Lord honor? Those that show honor. Those that honor Him. Honor what he has, what he does. What if you despise it? What if you make light of it? What if you make little of it? Well, the scripture goes on to say, you will be despised. You'll be treated as insignificant, as light, as as not much. And you can be mad at him if you want to, but you're the one that determined it. You're the one that determined how you're being treated by how you decided to treat his things. And we live in a world where... A lot of things have been lost. It actually, a lot of it started back uh, in the rebelliousness of the young people in the 50s and then especially the, um, the 60s. And just defiance against all any resemblance of authority. And certainly a lot of people in charge were wrong and were doing some things wrong, but it doesn't make your disrespect okay. And that now we've got multiple generations that have grown up not being taught the fear of the Lord. Not being taught respect and honor for the things of God. And it is costing. Oh, it's costing people. And it's sad that you've got third generation young people. They were never around it. They've never been to church. They see no value in it. No value in the word of God. And they got all kind of terrible problems in their life and see no connection. Can't get the answers. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. You get nowhere with God unless and until you show some respect. Y'all with me? Not my words. 
His words. That's where it begins. You begin to understand some things when you start showing respect. Everybody said out loud, Lord, teach me the fear of the Lord, the honor of God. I want to show you and all your things the proper place, the proper respect, the proper honor. I ask for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You can be sure. He'll answer that prayer. When he said, sell me my, sell me your birthright, and he said, what good is it going to do me? Verse 34, Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau did what? Despise. He despised. What does it mean? He treated it like it was nothing. And he lost it. He lost it. Later on, he, he decided he wanted it and couldn't get it back and, and couldn't, couldn't change it. He despised it. I know uh, I, I had the privilege of being uh, one of the first people to work in Brother Hagin's uh, healing school. And when I was there in 81, they were about to open the doors on a place in the spring of 82. And I just little country boy from Mississippi and didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me, but I was able to get in some of those uh, healing classes where he was teaching. And uh, one day he announced that in a few months they were going to open up this uh, prayer and healing center and that they were going to take some folks and train them to be what he called divine healing technicians. And when he said that was something went off in me and I thought, Oh, wouldn't that be the most amazing thing? And I looked around behind me and there was like 500 people behind me. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess everybody would want that. And in a few months, I had volunteered and was just setting up chairs and greeting people and that kind of thing. But in May of the 82, a few months later, I was one of two people of the students that was allowed to come in and began to be trained with the staff. And one thing led to another over the years. But years later, the Lord brought this up to me in a time of prayer. He said, when you turned around and you said, well, I guess everybody, you you know, I was thinking, feel like I did. He said, you were wrong. Everybody didn't feel about it the way you did. Did you hear that or not? Well, I wasn't thinking I deserved it. I certainly wasn't thinking anything was owed to me. I was just thinking about how amazing it was. How amazing it would be to be part of something like that. I valued it. Come on, can you see that? I greatly valued it. Well, then was it a, a coincidence that I was one of two? Huh? I saw a connection then between honoring and being honored. Can you see that? Was it an honor for me to be a part of it? You better believe it. Well, then was it just random on God's part? Because there were a lot of people that were talented and a lot of them probably more skilled in areas than I was. Why Why did I get to be a part? Well, the Lord told me everyone didn't. Feel about it the way you did. I wouldn't have known. I, that thought never crossed my mind. Because like I said, I looked around and thought, well, I guess everybody wants to be in that. You know, I'm assuming as much as I would, he said you were wrong. Everybody didn't want to be a part as much as you did. And esteem. And that went on for year after year. I got to be a part. And I, and I mean, part of my job was monitoring Brother Hagin's classes. And then taking some of the big, those big old beta tapes back before VHS, part of my job was taking them home and reviewing them and then playing them the next day. And then, I mean, I am hearing so much good word. And finally, a few years into that, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, Phyllis and I 
this little country people from Mississippi. And, and I realize there are people in the world never heard one good faith message. Not one. And here we are in some of the best meetings in the world. We're hearing some of the best ministry. And, and not just a few. Hundreds and thousands of these good messages. Why us, Lord? And a week or so later, he spoke to my heart. He said, I knew you would value it. Did you hear that or not? I knew you would value it. That's the same as honor. That's the same as, I knew you would honor. I knew you would value it, is what he said to me. I knew you would value it. If you ever stop valuing it, what will happen? You'll stop getting all the access, you know. And, 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 and so many people, they don't care. They, they won't go across, you know, uh, the street to go to church. You know, they, they won't make any effort to, for the word or to commune with God or to, they, they won't make themselves available to do anything in the church. No kind of service of any kind. Why? Because everything else is more important. But they're not hurting other people as much as they're hurting themselves. Did Esau make a fatal mistake when he despised a precious thing that God had given him? He lost it. Notice, if you would, in, uh, can you take some more? Huh? Let me give you some more. I got it. I got it. It's right here in the Word. Uh, (coughs) Second Samuel 6. 2 Samuel 6. What was Judah's fatal mistake? Something happened to him. He got to listening to the wrong things. He got to looking at the wrong things. He got to the place where he thought he'd rather have $300 than his place with Jesus. Don't judge him. If you listen to the wrong thing, you could get there too. That's right. But you never have to. That's right. But you've got to immediately recognize when the enemy's lying to you Amen. and shut it off. Amen. Cut it off. There was a point where Judas valued Jesus. Or Jesus never would have put him on the team. Huh? Something changed. Something happened. And People get jaded to the things of God. Think about Satan himself, Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub that covers. How many millennia or millions of years? We don't know that he saw the glory of God. And at some point he decided, this is not enough. I want more. I want to be like God himself. You can, and it's not because God mistreated him. He didn't find any fault in God. You need to stir yourself up Amen. every day of your life yes. to be thankful. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Thankful for everything of God, every person God has put in your life, every word God has put in your life. Is that right? You, you need to be thankful because thank, ongoing thanksgiving is ongoing valuing. You don't thank God for something you don't appreciate, that you don't value. 2 Samuel 6, 14, is when David, after, you know the scriptures, some real ups and downs with the ark, they're bringing it home. They finally got back in the word, saw how to do it, brought it back the right way. And they are coming back in with the ark. And David is one happy guy. He's wanted. This has been something big to him, I guess, his whole life. You remember at one point, he tells Nathan the prophet, he calls him in and says, look, here I am in this palace of cedar and the ark's out there in a tent. That's not right. We got to have the finest place. And he had it in his heart to build the temple. And the Lord, and the Lord told Nathan to tell him, well, you won't do it, but your son will. But that's the way he was. And to have the, uh, uh, 
the ark coming back into where it belongs with God's covenant people, it is a great day. And David, he didn't put on his kingly robes. For one thing, it's hard to move in all that heavy stuff, right? (laughs) And he felt like moving. And David danced before the Lord and he didn't hold anything back. And he just, all he had on was this linen ephod. And he's the king, but he's not acting like the king. He's acting like a kid on Christmas Day. Is that right? He is one happy man. And verse 15, David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Big day. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David... Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David. Now, hold on, hold on. Why is she at the house looking out a window? Huh? Your husband, the king, is down there in the street rejoicing. She didn't even go? Can, Can you already see? Big issue here. What? Lack of valuing. She couldn't be bothered to even go. She looked from a window and saw King David, yeah, the king, leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she did what? She did what? Despised him. In her heart. What is despise? Think less of. Think little of. Treat as insignificant. Like nothing. She despised him. In her heart. See with the Lord. It's always about the heart. Always. He said, you know, in Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. What's he looking for in the heart? If you think right, you value what he values. Is that right? You honor what he honors. You reverence what he reverences. And here she's looking at at him. And uh, verse 20. David, after they they come into town, they brought the ark into its place. And and he goes back to to his household to do what? To fuss at everybody? No. To bless his household. He's having a great day. He's enjoying life. He's enjoying God. There was a time for for years and years when the ark was not with them. And the ark is where the presence of God was. And there were times when people that thought it never would come back. But it's back. It's back. Happy day. And he came back to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, reminds you, she was Israel's first king's daughter princess, she grew up in the royal residence, and that's part of what's going on, is this royal thing. She came out to meet David. Now she leaves the house. To do what? To straighten him out. To straighten him out. How glorious was the king of Israel today? Uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants. Now some say, you know, he exposed himself some way. If he did, it was accidental. He was dancing. (laughs) Might have got carried away. Could have had a wardrobe malfunction. I I don't... (laughs) You ever had one of them? I mean... Not something planned, but uh, 
And some say, you know, it's just because he wasn't in his royal robes and he was, he looked too common and whatever. But, uh, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself, she said, I was so embarrassed watching you down there. So embarrassed. Verse 21. David said to Macaw, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> when people try to shame you over the things of God, do not accept it. When people try to make light of what you do and where you are, well, I guess y'all are over there in that, that prosperity church again. I mean, what, what did they tell you this time, you know? Do not laugh with them. Do not agree with them. Hmm? You don't have to fight with them. You don't have to fuss with them. But in no uncertain terms, you say, I love the word of God. It has changed my life. And you need some of it. Uh, uh, you do not let anybody, anybody, anybody intimidate you. You don't try to push it down their throat, but you don't join them in mocking and making light and belittling and disrespecting the things of God. Don't you do it. Don't laugh with them. Don't join in their, you know, disrespectful jokes and all that kind of thing. He didn't bend one iota. Keep, keep reading. He said, it was before the Lord. What does that mean? Wasn't doing it for you. Hmm? Wasn't doing it for them. Hmm? It was before the Lord. That's who I was rejoicing in. That's who I was thanking. That's who I was valuing that he let us have his ark back in this rightful place. It was before the Lord. Who chose me before your daddy. (laughs) And before all his house. And appointed me. Ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. And therefore I will play before the Lord. You ain't slowing my roll. Uh, No. We, We ain't done. I will. Verse 22, and he said, uh, I'll be more vile than us. I'll get more carried away, and I'll be base in my own sight. See, he didn't think he was too good to get in the street and shout with everybody else. And that's what she's having a problem with, because the royals have to keep their distance from the common folk. And you can't go out unless you're dressed the right way. And she's too concerned about what people think. And about what's going to be on the cover of the periodicals. (coughs) David says, I wasn't doing it for them. And he said, you're wrong. You're wrong. Those maid servants that you're so concerned about, that you've spoken of, I will have honor in their eyes. You're wrong. Why? Because if you honor God, you're not going to reap being despised. You're going to reap being honored. Verse 23. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. And that was one of the biggest things that a a queen would desire is an heir and an heir to the throne. Somebody said, well, God punished her. No, no, it's saying too much. It's saying too much. And again, this is where religious tradition twists things around. No, the fruit of the womb is blessing, is a gift. Does God owe blessing to people who despise him? No. No. It's not a matter of withholding. You just cut yourself off. 
You judge yourself unworthy. God doesn't owe protection and provision and blessing and favor and honor to people who blaspheme him and people who despise him and mock and make fun of his people. It's not that he's trying to destroy them. He wouldn't even have to try. It's just he leaves them to their self. They don't have his help because they don't want him. They don't like him. They despise him. So, okay, do it yourself. And that's going to be barrenness. That's going to be no fruitfulness. Have you made up your mind what you want to do? Huh? What you want to be? Do you want to honor the Lord your God above all that is honored in your life? (laughs) Listen to some of these uh these words, don't try to turn there, but just listen out of the book of Psalms. The preciousness of the word, the preciousness of the knowledge and wisdom of God and of the things of God. Psalm 119, the whole psalm, and it's the longest chapter in the Bible, I guess. The whole thing is about uh, the psalmist honoring God's word. <clears throat> Verse 72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. 127 says, I love your commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Job 23, 12 says, I've esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Is that valuing the word of God? Proverbs 3, 13 says, happy is the man that finds wisdom. And the man that gets understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. The gain is better than fine gold. It's more precious than rubies. And all the things you can desire are not to be compared with her. Why? Because length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. Her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold on her. And happy is everyone that keeps her. The Bible said about Jesus himself, we already talked about this. But it was quoted and then it it was uh, revealed and then quoted and quoted in the Old Testament, quoted in the New Testament. The stone which the builders rejected has become the the capstone or the the, the cornerstone. Listen to other translations. This is Psalm 118.22. The stone which the builders rejected as worthless turned out to be the most important of all. The stone that the builders tossed aside has now become the most important stone. Phyllis and I, we can trace back to, you know, 45 years ago, whatever. I know exactly when our life started turning around. When we began to hear the word of truth, the word of faith, and begin to see the preciousness of it, the value of it, and begin to give it priority in our lives, first place. That other things had to take a back seat to this. And from that moment, every day since then, that we have endeavored to honor his word, he has honored us. He has brought us up. He has added to us. He's given us more and more and more. If you ever stop honoring, the increase will stop. Which is why I'm not going to stop. I'm going to see like David. You're going to see more. Is that right? (laughs) You're going to see more. Uh -uh. You're not going to shame me down. You're not going to mock and make fun. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I've seen what he can do. And I know what he has done. Hallelujah. You do too. And so you and I, this year, this 2024... We're going to honor God more. Do you agree? We're going to honor him more than we ever have. We're going to put him first in everything. His word first. His spirit first. 
his people first, his ministries first, the gospel first? Hmm? How many have been listening to you, Psalm 23 and you, Psalm 91, is it worth your time? Yes. Oh, why would you want us to do that? Because it helps you distinguish between your heart and your head. And how about praying at least an hour? Huh? At least an hour, once a week, interrupted. Now you can do it a whole lot more than that. Do it all you want to. But I said at least. Why? Because, same thing, it's spirit activity, not just mental, not just head. And there is so much that we don't know that's going on. There's so much about the plan of God that needs to be revealed. So many details. You know, how clueless do you want to be? (laughs) Then just don't pray any. And you will be. Clueless. But prayers get previews. Prayers get revelation. Are you seeing it? You do. You get to praying and praying. Get your mind quiet. Next thing the Lord takes you in a direction you hadn't thought of before. Now you're praying about it. And you don't have to pray the whole time about yourself. Right? Pray about others. Pray about the plan. Pray about ministries. Whatever the Lord shows you to do. But we have so little time left. Soon and very soon, you and I are going to be out of here. If the Lord tears is coming just a little bit, our lives are going to be over. We do not want to waste a day. Amen. Do you agree? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody.